Chapter Twenty Nine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Chapter Twenty Nine. The Smallpox Hut. When we arrived at that hut at mid-afternoon, we saw no signs of life about it. The field nearby had been denuded of its crop some time before, and had a skinned look, so exhaustively had it been harvested and gleaned. Fences, sheds, everything had a ruined look, and were eloquent of poverty. No animal was around anywhere, no living thing in sight. The stillness was awful. It was like the stillness of death. The cabin was a one-story one whose thatch was black with age and ragged from lack of repair. The door stood a trifle ajar. We approached it stealthily, on tiptoe and at half-breath, for that is the way one's feeling makes him do at such a time. The king knocked. We waited. No answer. Knocked again. No answer. I pushed the door softly open and looked in. I made out some dim forms, and a woman started up from the ground and stared at me, as one does who is awakened from sleep. Presently she found her voice. "'Have mercy,' she pleaded. "'All is taken. Nothing is left.' "'I have not come to take anything, poor woman.' "'You are not a priest?' "'No.' "'Nor come not from the lord of the manor?' "'No. I am a stranger.' "'Oh!' then for the fear of god who who visits with misery and death such as be harmless tarry not here but fly this place is under his curse and his churches let me come in and help you you are sick and in trouble i was better used to the dim light now i could see her hollow eyes fixed upon me i could see how emaciated she was I tell you, the place is under the church's ban. Save yourself, and go before some stragglers see thee here, and report it. Give yourself no trouble about me. I don't care anything for the church's curse. Let me help you. Now all good spirits, if there be any such, bless thee for that word. Would God I had a sup of water! but hold hold forget i said it and fly for there is that here that even he that feareth not the church must fear this disease whereof we die leave us thou brave good stranger and take with thee such whole and sincere blessing as them that be accursed can give but before this i had picked up a wooden bowl and was rushing past the king on my way to the brook it was ten yards away when i got back and entered the king was within and was opening the shutter that closed the window-hole to let in air and light. The place was full of a foul stench. I put the bowl to the woman's lips, and as she gripped it with her eager talons the shutter came open, and a strong light flooded her face. Smallpox! I sprang to the king and said in his ear, Out of the door on the instant, sire. The woman is dying of that disease that wasted the skirts of Camelot two years ago. He did not budge. Of a truth, I shall remain, and likewise help. I whispered again, King, it must not be. You must go. Ye mean well, and ye speak not unwisely. But it were shame that a king should know fear, and shame that belted knight should withhold his hand, where be such as need succor. Peace, I will not go. It is you who must go. 
the church's ban is not upon me but it forbiddeth you to be here and she will deal with you with a heavy hand and word come to her of your trespass it was a desperate place for him to be in and might cost him his life but it was no use to argue with him if he considered his knightly honor at stake here that was the end of argument he would stay and nothing could prevent it i was aware of that and so i dropped the subject the woman spoke fair sir of your kindness will ye climb the ladder there and bring me news of what ye find be not afraid to report for times can come when even a mother's heart is past breaking being already broke abide said the king and give the woman to eat i will go and he put down the knapsack i turned to start but the king had already started he halted and looked down upon a man who lay in a dim light and had not noticed us thus far or spoken is this your husband the king asked yes is he asleep god be thanked for that one charity yes these three hours where shall i pay to the full my gratitude for my heart is bursting with it for that sleep he sleepeth now i said we will be careful we will not wake him ah no that ye will not for he is dead dead yes what triumph it is to know it none can harm him none insult him more he is in heaven now and happy or if not there he bides in hell and is content for in that place he will find neither abbot nor yet bishop we were boy and girl together we were man and wife these five and twenty years and never separated till this day think how long that is to love and suffer together this morning was he out of his mind and in his fancy we were boy and girl again and wandering in the happy fields and so in that innocent clad converse wandered he far and farther still lightly gossiping and entered into those other fields we know not of and was shut away from mortal sight and so there was no parting for in his fancy i went with him he knew not but i went with him my hand in his my young soft hand not this withered claw ah yes to go and know it not to separate and know it not how could one go peacefuler than that it was his reward for a cruel life patiently borne there was a slight noise from the direction of the dim corner where the ladder was it was the king descending i could see that he was bearing something in one arm and assisting himself with the other he came forward into the light upon his breast lay a slender girl of fifteen she was but half conscious she was dying of smallpox here was heroism and its last and loftiest possibility its utmost summit this was challenging death in the open field unarmed with all the odds against the challenger no reward set upon the contest and no admiring world in silks and cloth of gold to gaze and applaud and yet the king's bearing was as serenely brave as it had always been in those cheaper contests where knight meets knight in equal fight and clothed in protecting steel he was great now sublimely great the rude statues of his ancestors in his palace should have an addition i would see to that and it would not be a mailed king killing a giant or a dragon like the rest it would be a king in commoner's garb bearing death in his arms that a peasant mother might look her last upon her child and be comforted 
he laid the girl down by her mother who poured out endearments and caresses from an overflowing heart and one could detect a flickering faint light of response in the child's eyes but that was all the mother hung over her kissing her petting her and imploring her to speak but the lips only moved and no sound came i snatched my liquor flask from my knapsack and the woman forbade me and said no she does not suffer it is better so it might bring her back to life none that be so good and kind as ye are would do her that cruel hurt for look you what is left to live for her brothers are gone her father is gone her mother goeth the church's curse is upon her and none may shelter or befriend her even though she lay perishing in the road she is desolate i have not asked you good heart if her sister be still on live here overhead i had no need ye had gone back else and not left the poor thing forsaken she lieth at peace interrupted the king in a subdued voice i would not change it how rich is this day in happiness ah my annis thou shalt join thy sister soon thou art on thy way and these be merciful friends that will not hinder and so she fell to murmuring and cooing over the girl again and softly stroking her face and hair and kissing her and calling her by endearing names but there was scarcely sign of response now in the glazing eyes i saw tears well from the king's eyes and trickle down his face the woman noticed them too and said ah i know that sign thou'st a wife at home poor soul and you and she have gone hungry to bed many's the time that the little ones might have your crust you know what poverty is and the daily insults of your betters and the heavy hand of the church and the king the king winced under this accidental home shot but kept still he was learning his part and he was playing it well too for a pretty dull beginner i struck up a diversion i offered the woman food and liquor but she refused both she would allow nothing to come between her and the release of death then i slipped away and brought the dead child from aloft and laid it by her this broke her down again and there was another scene that was full of heartbreak by and by i made another diversion and beguiled her to sketch her story ye know it well yourselves having suffered it for truly none of our condition in britain escape it it is the old weary tale we fought and struggled and succeeded meaning by success that we lived and did not die more than that is not to be claimed no troubles came that we could not outlive till this year brought them then came they all at once as one might say and overwhelmed us years ago the lord of the manor planted certain fruit trees on our farm in the best part of it too a grievous wrong and shame but it was his right interrupted the king none denieth that indeed and the law mean anything what is the lord's is his and what is mine is his also our farm was ours by lease therefore twas likewise his to do with as he would some little time ago three of those trees were found hewn down our three grown sons ran frightened to report the crime well in his lordship's dungeon there they lie who saith there shall they lie and rot till they confess they have naught to confess being innocent wherefore there will they remain until they die ye know that right well i ween 
think how this left us a man a woman and two children to gather a crop that was planted by so much greater force yes and protected night and day from pigeons and prowling animals that be sacred and must not be hurt by any of our sort when my lord's crop was nearly ready for the harvest so also was ours when his bell rang to call us to his fields to harvest his crop for nothing he would not allow that i and my two girls should count for our three captive sons but for only two of them so for the lacking one were we daily fined all this time our own crop was perishing through neglect and so both the priest and his lordship fined us because their shares of it were suffering through damage in the end the fines ate up our crop and they took it all they took it all and made us harvest it for them without pay or food and we are starving then the worst came when i being out of my mind with hunger and loss of my boys and grief to see my husband and my little maids in rags and misery and despair uttered a deep blasphemy oh a thousand of them against the church and the church's ways it was ten days ago i had fallen sick with this disease and it was to the priest i said the words for he was come to chide me for lack of due humility under the chastening hand of god he carried my trespass to his betters i was stubborn wherefore presently upon my head and upon all heads that were dear to me fell the curse of rome End of chapter 29